I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this Tuesday, the 28th of March. The year is 2023. This is Scoop Podcast episode 410. Like always, or like most times, we'll begin with some notes, then transition to conversations. In no particular order, I begin with the Wolves. Today is the day another 20% payment is due to Glenn Taylor from Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez. Glenn told me recently he's been assured that today's deadline is not an issue. Assured via direct contact with Mark, with Alex. The final 20% payment is due December 31st. But there is a way for Mark and Alex to push that to March of 2024. Be like now, when today's payment was really due December 31st of last year, but they pushed it to today. Mark and Alex have found investors, including a former Cargill executive, so they should be okay. But it's been an interesting process. No denying that. This process of transition, Glenn Taylor to Mark Laurie to Alex Rodriguez, very, very interesting. No steam on the Wolves converting Luca Garza. So that means he will not be eligible for the playoffs. But I do hear they want him here next year. No movement at any point on the Wolves getting Nas Reed signed to an extension. But make no mistake, they have tried. He's turned into a phenomenal player. He can hit the jackpot this summer. But the Wolves will continue to try to extend him. To keep him, in the end, it may come down to Torian Prince, non-guaranteed contract. Do you want Torian here next year, or do you want Nas? That remains to be seen, but I'm telling you, the Wolves want Nas Reed here for the next few years. They have tried to extend him. This is the healthiest the Wolves have been since late October. With the ability to put five legit defenders on the court often, I think they can play with anyone in the West. Now, I wouldn't want to play a healthy Phoenix team, but that doesn't seem like a very likely first-round possibility. Six games to go. Suns, Lakers, Blazers, Nets, Spurs, Pelicans. They are 39 and 37. Can they win four of six to get to 43 wins? If you get to 43, I think then you're in a position to have the tiebreaker over the Warriors. So the Wolves and Warriors split the season series 2-2. The next tiebreaker is Western Conference record. The Wolves have a slight edge right now. If the Wolves can beat the Spurs, beat the Blazers, then find a way to beat at least one of the Suns, Lakers, Pelicans, I believe, this is not 100% true, but I believe they will be in a position to edge out the Warriors. How cool would it be to avoid the play-in, get up to the sixth seed, open up the playoffs against Sacramento. We know that the Wolves can win in Sacramento. To me, that would be a favorable matchup, no guarantees. But how great of a path could it be to be the sixth seed, be on the other side of the bracket, away from Denver, away from Phoenix, away from the Clippers, although the Clippers are all over the place. We have no guarantees on Paul George. But I think the Clippers, when fully healthy with Norman Powell returning here with the addition of Eric Gordon, If you can avoid being on that side of the bracket, to me, I would do that. Now, the seventh seed could be the Warriors, right? The Warriors could beat the Grizzlies, seven versus two. So if you advance past Sacramento, maybe it's a series 
with Golden State. So don't know if I love your chances there. Like Andrew Wiggins may be back at that point for the Warriors. I've yet to hear that Wiggins is out for the entire season. The buzz has been out for the regular season, but maybe he returns for the playoffs. But still, isn't it fun to talk about this? Heck, four games ago when the Wolves were two games under 500, wasn't necessarily me. I always thought minimum they'd be in the play-in, but there were people, and I get it, legitimately talking about the Wolves potentially finishing in 11th, missing the play-in, missing the playoffs. Well, at this point, after this four-game winning streak, what a timely time to have a winning streak, right? New York into Atlanta, into Golden State, into Sacramento, now two games above 500. We can legitimately have a conversation about the Wolves avoiding the play-in. Shameless plug for my TV scoops every Thursday night, 6.50 on Channel 5 here in the Twin Cities, the ABC affiliate, and soon thereafter, we post the air check on the KSTP.com sports website. I had a note on March 9th about the Wolves playing, or at least being in the mix, but trending in the right direction, being in the mix to play a preseason game in October in Abu Dhabi. Well, in the last few days, since that March 9th note, Mark Stein, who does a fabulous job on the national level, he too had a note about the Wolves being in line to play a preseason game in Abu Dhabi. Just a hunch. I think Mark and I talked to some of the same people, which, hey, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Mark does a great job and has for a really long time. All right, transitioning to the Twins, Jeff Hoffman. I at-tweeted a couple people over the weekend that it was trending in this direction. Today was the opt-out date. He has chosen to opt out of his contract. So Jeff Hoffman, no longer in the Twins organization. Danny Coulomb, now a Baltimore Oriole, had that news on Twitter. Shameless plug for my Twitter account. D. Wolfson KSTP had that note on Twitter on Monday. He had an escape clause, an assignment clause. It wasn't necessarily an escape. So let me rephrase that. He wasn't able to escape his contract if he didn't make the opening day roster. But this assignment clause where he was placed on waivers, now it turns out the Twins and Orioles agreed to some sort of trade where the Twins may end up with cash considerations. In the end, it may be nothing. But bottom line is Danny Coulomb, the Twins decided, hey, we don't want you in our opening day bullpen. So the Orioles have decided, hey, we do want you in our opening day bullpen. Happy for Danny. He's battled some injuries. Heck, to me, he's a big league reliever. But I get it. The Twins have Moran. They have Thielbar. Do you need a third lefty? You know, and Danny is not a hard thrower. So I understand that. But I just thought if you put any stock into March numbers, which also I get, right? Remember Luke Hughes a number of years ago, right? So March numbers can be, hey, goes both ways, right? I mean, some guys have really successful marches. It carries over into April, May, June. Some guys blow up in March. It doesn't carry over into April, May, June, and so on. But for what it's worth, Coulomb looked good in the month of March in Fort Myers. The Jorge Polanco knee issue is troublesome. Surgery was not an option in September. It is not an option now. He has a clause in his contract that a $10.5 million option vests if he reaches 550 plate appearances this year. So I promise you, he wants to play. He is hitting in front of trainers at some point today, Tuesday, in Fort Myers before some of those folks take off for Kansas City. Polanco will stay in Fort Myers for more work with the hope he's back in the lineup in the coming weeks. The key for Polanco, face some live pitching. He's done enough work in the field, in the cage. 
It's time for him to face some live pitching. Get ready for lots of Michael A. Taylor in center field. And for now, Joey Gallo at first. I need to truly see to believe, but the word is the Twins are willing to give Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, others a longer than five-inning leash. And don't knock Rocco. This is not Rocco. This is an organizational decision. Sure, Rocco has his fingerprints on it, but this is not all Rocco with guys getting pulled early, like thinking about the 22 season. Sonny Gray, very vocal at different points, including with my TV colleague, Joe Schmidt, about how unhappy he was to get pulled before getting to the sixth or seventh inning. But the word is the Twins are willing to go longer with these starters this year. I'm happy for Gus Varland, Louis' older brother, the pride of Concordia St. Paul, making the Brewers opening day roster. Happy for my guy Nick Anderson for making the Braves opening day roster. I'm still mad that the Twins didn't even make him a minor league offer last winter. Not that he was returning to the Twins organization, but to me, good enough arm. Look at his success with the Rays. Like, at least make a minor league offer, but the Twins never even did that. I was over at the X on Monday morning. It just doesn't sound like Kirill Kaprizov is particularly close, although there is some hope that before this week is over, he'll get on the ice, he'll do some skating. But at this point, I guess you hope that he's ready for the playoff opener the week of April 17th. Maybe he returns for that final regular season game or two. But bottom line, Kaprizov is not real close to returning to the wild lineup. But heck, who needs him? Well, of course they need him. But those guys have been scoring machines another solid effort on Monday night against the Seattle Kraken. To the NFL, to the Vikings, Irv Smith Jr. off to the Cincinnati Bengals. That happened on Monday night where I can advance the story. I can tell you the Miami Dolphins were also in on Irv Smith Jr., a one-year deal with the Bengals. The Vikings were never in on Irv. There just wasn't any traction on the Vikings looking to re-sign Irv going back to the start of free agency. The Vikings pre-draft visitors include, for local day, former Gophers cornerback Terrell Smith, former Minnesota Duluth offensive lineman Brent Lang, and former Gophers center John Michael Schmitz. April 11th is at least one day for this. Among their top 30 pre-draft visitors, Bowling Green defensive lineman Carl Brooks, Mississippi State defensive back Emmanuel Forbes, Nebraska wide receiver Trey Palmer, Alabama-Birmingham running back Dwayne McBride, LSU offensive lineman Anthony Bradford, and Alabama-Birmingham cornerback Starling Thomas. That from a Jeremy Fowler report of ESPN, that last name at least. The Vikings just weren't locked in on retaining Duke Shelley. Word was they would have done the minimum. But he just wasn't taking that. He switched agents in mid-March, which further made his situation a mess. Duke Shelley late last week landing with the Las Vegas Raiders on a one-year deal for a bit over the minimum. John Michael Schmitz also has pre-draft visits with the Jets and Steelers. Jordan Howden, the former Gophers safety, has a pre-draft visit lined up with the Seattle Seahawks. Former Gophers linebacker Mariano Sori Marin drawing solid interest from the 49ers and Titans. Titans would be cool. His buddy Jack Gibbons 
is in Nashville. Jack Gibbons spent a year with the Gophers, what, in, I guess it would have been, what, 21, got to know Mariano Sori Marin. Gibbons goes undrafted. Eventually, you know, practice squad built his way up by the end of the season, started games for the Tennessee Titans, played well, weeks 16 and 17. So Jack Gibbons is an interesting story. Didn't come close to getting drafted. Not sure Sori Marin gets drafted. But hey, one team at the Pro Day on March 15th clocked Sori Marin, an AFC team, at 4.58 on the 40-yard dash. Heck, 4.58, that plays. Right now, if some other teams had him closer to 4.62, 4.64, at 238 pounds, that still plays, right? Mariano Sori Marin can play on special teams, plus has position flexibility. He can play multiple linebacker positions. Scooby going nuts. The mailman must be here. Scooby is the greatest dog on the planet. Greatest guard dog, trust me. Nobody's messing with the Wolfson family. But yeah, it's either the Amazon delivery person or our mail person. Yes, it is a male. It is a mailman. Good to see you, bud. Hey, thank you as always. So Scooby making his presence felt here on Scoop Podcast episode 410. Transitioning to Gophers basketball, they touched base. On former Creighton-Durham Hall guard, he's transferring from the University of Buffalo, Curtis Jones, but he's looking to play elsewhere. So the Gophers are not in Jones's mix. Schools in on him include Arizona, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Clemson, USC, Michigan State, and Indiana. I hear former Gophers point guard Talon Cooper will not be going pro. He will play another year of college and at a power five. No, not in the Big Ten, but unfortunate that he's gone. Now, let's see who the Gophers bring in. But Talon Cooper, roller coaster of a season, but certainly had some up moments. I do think the Gophers will miss him. I was led to believe early on that he would be pursuing a pro career, but he has another year of college eligibility. He will utilize that year. So will, well, at least it looks like, Jamison Battle will do the same. So I noted on Score North, with Judd and Mackey last week, that Arkansas, Cincinnati, Clemson, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa State, LSU, Nebraska, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Santa Clara, Utah, Wake Forest, Xavier, and Villanova are all in on Jamison Battle. Well, inside the hall, an Indiana-based media outlet taking it a step further, inside the hall reports that later today, Tuesday, that Indiana, the Indiana Hoosiers, will be here in the Twin Cities for an in-home visit with Jamison Battle. How bad will those optics look? Like, I was led to believe Jamison was ready to pursue a pro career, but there is good NIL money to be made. But how bad would those optics look for the Gophers if you lose Jamison Battle to another Big Ten school? Nothing close to a done deal, but it is interesting that Jamison is granting that Indiana home visit. Mike Mitchell Jr., a guard from Pepperdine, Visited over the weekend, 24-7 reports Charleston Southern transfer guard Claudel Harris Jr. will visit soon. I hear that Creighton is among schools in on St. Thomas transfer guard Andrew Rohde. The Gophers have not touched base on Iowa State transfer Eli King of Caledonia. They were all over him coming out of high school, but after one year with Iowa State, the Gophers apparently are not interested. Jackson McAndrew, the junior from Wyzetta, how good was he in the championship game over the weekend when Wyzetta beat top seed Park Center? Well, Jackson McAndrew will be a tough get 
for the Gophers with all the work that Wisconsin and Creighton have put in on him. He just hasn't been a priority for the Gophers. Hey, they make different, you know, judgment calls, right? I don't always agree with everything that Ben Johnson, Dave Thorson, and company go with, right? That's one I think we disagree on. I would have pursued, even before Saturday night, I would have pursued Jackson McAndrew, but the Gophers' interest just hasn't been there. Cheryl Reeve has made the scouting rounds the last two weeks. The Lynx have the second pick in the upcoming WNBA draft. The Wolves are scouting the McDonald's All-American practices this week. Strongly led to believe by multiple insiders that Troll Carter is not a big loss for the Gopher football team. Now, he was all-conference honorable mention, interior defensive lineman last year. So the optics would suggest, of course, they are going to miss him. But I've had a few people tell me, be careful assuming that they will miss him. Congratulations to Hopkins junior guard Liv McGill on her commitment to Florida. Florida coach Kelly Ray Finley is from Edina. So she has recruiting inroads here in town. It was when, not if, that Florida was going to hit the jackpot here in the Twin Cities. So they do with a very good guard in the class of 2024, Liv McGill of Hopkins. All right, let's now transition to interviews. Let's begin with former Gophers hockey player, a legend, former Hobie Baker winner, former national champion. Heck, you're not a former national champ. Once a national champion, always a national champion. Former wild player, spent 12 years in the NHL. His name is Jordan Leopold. He won a national championship with the Gophers in 2002. He is all over this year's Gophers hockey team. He will head to Tampa next week for the Frozen Four. I caught up with Jordan about the 2023 Gophers men's hockey team. Jordan is a proud alum, one of the greatest players in program history. How excited are you? I mean, heck, 20 years ago now, you weren't on that last national championship team, that team before, but like... To me, it's crazy that it's been 20 years, but it seems like this team certainly has a chance to win two more games. Well, we look at it last year. Last year, they had a really good chance to win, um, you know, and it didn't happen. Uh, I was uh, on my on my way to Boston if they were in the championship game this year. Um, I'm I'm kind of banking on them winning. I'm hoping, <laughs> you know, obviously a proud alum. Yes, it's been uh, 21 years since uh, we won at the Excel Energy Energy Center, and 20 years since uh, 03. And there's a lot of guys excited. And we're looking for uh, two wins. All we need is two wins, one win at a time, and here we go. Well, picking back on that, I mean, you've been going back and forth with a bunch of former teammates. What is that excitement level? Oh, yeah. Uh, working with the administration, trying to find tickets for guys. Uh, I guess I'm kind of a linchpin in the whole thing where guys contact me and see if I have a connection. And a lot of times I do, um, which, which is great and uh, happy to help. I want to see as much maroon and gold as we can get down there. And, you know, hopefully great things happen. But being in Tampa helps as well. You know, we go to a warm weather climate and uh, able to get maybe a couple round of golf, rounds of golf in and uh, go watch your favorite team play hockey. What's this resurgence been like? I mean, there was a dip. You know, some people, I think, were reluctant to embrace the Big Ten. But you look at this year in particular, the crowds at Mariucci, just the TV ratings, everything. Like, there's a ton of excitement right now. Uh, a lot of excitement. You look at when we played in, in the early 2000s, there's a lot of excitement. And then the Wild came in and, in 2000, took a little bit of that excitement away. Um, so the later... Uh, early 2000s, uh, I wouldn't say they struggled, but it wasn't as big of a draw as it 
as it seems to be this year. You know, you look at it, uh, the Big Ten came into play, uh, took a little bit of that steam out of that too, where the WCHA disappeared, and uh, now people are excited again. The, the team's good. I mean, they, they are really good. They probably have the best defensive core that we we've had uh, for 21 years, you know, and and that's uh, t- something to be said. There's uh, a lot of guys that are very successful that I played with, and uh, there's going to be a lot of success coming out of this team as well. But not better than 21 years ago. Uh, the game has changed. I will say the game has changed. Uh, we had some pretty dynamite players, being you know Keith Ballard, myself, uh, uh, Paul Martin, uh, Nick Angel, Judd Stevens. Uh, you know who am I forgetting? It's like I, well, those it's, are the names that come to mind. It yeah. just goes on and on. You know, a guy like Nick Angel. Okay, he uh, he played, I believe, the longest out of any of us professionally. He, he played overseas, um, but he, he played in the KHL, he played in Sweden, he played in Finland, he played all over the place. But he had the longest professional career out of all of us. And quite, quite a heck of a hockey player, but just got undermined by, by a few of us on the blue line. Is, like, has Bob done a good job of re-energizing the alumni? I mean, does Bob and others, I mean, I think Paul Otsby maybe and others have just done a really good job just reconnecting the alumni. Well, reconnecting, yes. We had an event here at Mississippi Gardens a few years ago, got a lot of the guys back. Um, but I think a lot of the alumni have season tickets. So we have an alumni room now down at Mariucci. When you go down there, you end up seeing a lot of the guys that have those season tickets. And I'll pop down there a couple times a year uh, when, when my kids' programs allow me to. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely interest, and you're seeing some legacy kids, you know, come through the program, being the Pitlicks, uh, the Nevers. Uh, so maybe you'll see some of our kids uh, from those national championship teams come through the program at some point. Uh, you never know. Uh, but you know, just delighted that they're they're filling the building. Number one, and then number two, people are really excited about going over hockey. Snuggaroo too. Like I think about yep, that line. Yep. That's Snuggaroo Cooley Nye's line. Yeah, and I grew up watching uh, <laughs> watching all those guys. You know, I, I watched uh, Dave Snuggaroo. Um, you got you know old man Pitlick. Uh, you know, and, and Nevers. I, I watched those guys. I grew up emulating, wanted to be them. So it, it's kind of neat. My kids get to watch these guys now. Second generation of it. Some are third generation Gophers. Um, but you look at the top line with Cooley, Nyes, uh, you know Snuggerud there. It, it there's just some elect, electrifying players, electrifying play, and I think it's uh, it's addicting if you're a hockey fan, especially at the amateur uh, part of it. And then you know you look at the back end; the back end's loaded. You know you got all these guys back there. You know you got a great captain, you got some leadership, you got guys that are great power play, great defensively. Uh, all the tools are there. Goaltending's there as well. It's just a matter of getting the bounces when you need. These are one and done situations, and you never know what's going to happen. On Brock Faber. How yep. good is Brock Faber? Uh, Brock is uh, he's an underrated defenseman. You look at it, you look at his points. His point production isn't uh, off the charts, uh, but defensively and the way he manages the game is at a professional level. So I mean, definitely, and his leadership style is great too. The guys, you know, jump on board. He's he's the guy to lead the charge, and and that's what you need. You need a guy like that to to bring the troops together, bring everybody on on the same page, and hopefully accomplish that that big goal, which is very close to these guys. But they, you know, they just take it one game at a time. It's a cliche. I understand it, but you know, you really do, and that goes for coaching staff as well. You got to stay calm, act like you've been there before, and just take care of business. How tough is the journey? What's the journey like? Like as you get to this point, that wait until that Frozen Four semifinal game? Yeah, you get you get the week and a half, uh, two weeks for these guys and, until you play. So 
a lot of excitement, a lot of distractions. You know, I mean, even with me being an alum, going, okay, how are we getting down there? How are guys getting tickets, uh, hotels, uh, all of that? So all their families are probably going to head down. It's spring break down there, so it's a busy time of year. Uh, the availability is not there. Uh, you know, guys are going to have to learn how to how to deal with that distraction a little bit. But then when it comes down to it, once the puck drops, it's playing hockey. And that's, that's the best part. You have that wonderful, uh, you know, 200 by, by 85 rink with glass on it, and you're, own, you're in your own little world, and it's just you versus them. And may the best team win. How often do you spin stories about the O2 championship? I mean, that was kind of that breaker, right? There had been a nice lull, right? Now we're in that lull again. Right, but was it 76? Do we have to go yeah. all the way back? 76 yeah. to 02. So, like, your team really broke through there. I know the 03 team is the last one to win the championship, mm-hmm. but your team really kind of broke through that door. Well, we, we broke through it, but, I mean, they're, it's, it's tough to win in college hockey. Like you say, it's one and done. You know, it's not, not the best team in, in seven games like it is in the NHL. You, you have to have a lot of things going your way. You have to have the right guys. Uh, we had the right mentality. We had the right leadership. Uh, you see it in this team. Uh, you saw a little, little of it last year. Um, it, the landscape has changed a little bit with college hockey where the Gophers are still a young team. And then you have other teams that are a lot older and more mature, and those seem to be the teams that are winning. Um, but when it comes down to it, the talent, you can't take talent away from these guys. I mean, they, they have it. They've earned it. They just have to learn how, how to win in big situations, and this is uh, the biggest stage there is at, at this amateur level. Does it seem like we're in a crash course? Gophers, Wolverines for the national championship? Uh, I don't want to say too much, but I have some friends that are Wolverines, and they're already uh, punching that ticket. So, But we can't get ahead of ourselves. That's, uh, that's the beautiful part of it. We just have to take care of business one game at a time. Can't look too far ahead. Uh, we made that mistake in 2 and I, I think these guys maybe did uh, in the Big Ten championship game where – you know, you take it for granted. You think you're going to show up and, and walk over a team, and it doesn't happen. So it's a great lesson to have before you get into the one-and-dones. Uh, so now we're here, and, you know, hopefully all the best for, for everybody involved. Then another layer to next week is the Hobie Baker announcement, maybe a go for wins. Yep. You were in that boat. Just take us back to that time. Uh, everything was a blur. It really was. Uh, you look back 21 years ago, uh, you know, we ended up playing Michigan in, in the semifinal game, uh, won that day. And then came to the rink the next day, and we had a Hobie Baker announcement. I didn't know I was going to win. Uh, There's only one guy that knew I was going to win. That was our head coach. Um, and, and it was, I mean, a weird, not weird, but just a very humble experience, uh, especially being at home. Uh, lots of distractions at home. Uh, we were staying in a hotel, and, uh, you know, great, great things. I, I mean, to this day, I still say, I mean, without the teammates, I, I wouldn't have been able to win that award. That's, uh, they say it's an individual award, but really it's more of a team award. Uh, those guys had my back, and I had their back, and you know, 21 years later, I think they're probably more proud than I am, but you know, as time goes by, uh, it becomes more special. My kids look at it. You look, I mean, the Hobie Baker's here at work, so people, anybody can come in and see it, and um, it's, uh, it, it collects a little bit of dust, but hopefully we get another goal for it. It's, uh, it's about time. As special as your NHL career was, as accomplished as your NHL career was, does it really just all start with 0-2 and how special that year was and then the NHL stuff kind of trickles in after that? Uh, I think you took the words out of my mouth. When you, and people ask me, like, what's your greatest uh, you know, hockey memory? And obviously it goes back to 0-2 at the XL Energy Center, being with all my buddies, um, winning that title, uh, having a great weekend and then just having fun with it for a good couple months. And then before you know it, I turned pro. And 
it, it changes from amateur to pro. You know, it, when you're traveling around as much as I did, I was kind of a journeyman in the NHL where um, I, was, I was not a master of anything, but I was a jack of all trades in a way. So I had some uh, ability that was needed on teams at deadlines where my team wasn't doing well, so I got traded a lot. Um, but you look at the way the NHL is. It's, uh, they're business acquaintances. You know, where when I was in school, these are my best buddies. And we're still all best buddies today and, uh, you know, see each other every summer, every winter, bump into each other at the hockey rink. But um, it's, it was just the best time of my life other than having my kids. Um, but if I could go back in time, that would be the time to go back to. So what were the text messages like on Saturday? So game over against St. Cloud. Was your phone just blowing up? Yeah, so Saturday I was actually working an event here. Uh, so I watched the first period back in the office, and then the next two periods I, I text all of our O2 um, class and just keep me posted what, what's going on, you know, because I had no, no idea. And then I had people here going, how oh, are you not watching the game? Well, you know, i got to work. So um, I was working, and I, I didn't even watch it later because to me, once I know the final, that, that's all that needs to be said. And, and we're going, and next thing was, all right, boys, where are we going? You know, where are we staying? Where are we going? Where are we golfing? Where are we doing whatever? And and uh, I think anybody that can make it is going to going to make it down there in their in their moon and gold. What else stands out as you watch this year's team? What else stands out to you? Well, I I think you look at they they were dominant. They were dominant this year, <clears throat> and with being dominant, you know, it comes this up and downs, but. Whenever you put on that sweater, being a U of M sweater now uh, in the Big Ten, I think you have the respect of the rest of the league where people want to play at the U. And when I played in WCHA, we were the most hated team. And and I think in the Big Ten, the two most hated teams are probably Michigan and and Minnesota, both U of M's. Um, But that means every night you have to have your A game. And if you don't have your A game, you're going to get beat. So to do what they did this year, um, there's something to be said for that as far as you know, uh, setting records and, and all that. And, and hopefully it'll transpire into two wins. So they need two wins. They, they're getting to the dance and you know, two wins away from doing something absolutely special and uh, maybe it'll become their best moment of, of their uh, playing careers. Leave it with this. So you said you were busy on Saturday. I suppose that means business is going well. Uh, business is doing okay. COVID, uh, COVID kind of made things interesting. You know, you shut hospitality down for uh, a good six months to a year. That always takes time to recover. So I think we're seeing the, the market and the economy bounce back, but not not bounce back as fast as fast as we'd like it. Um, but of course, we're here. People are looking for business. Uh, Mississippi Gardens Event Center here that we stand on is uh, is always open. The, the phone the phone has been ringing, but just not as much as it was pre-COVID. So we're just trying to get back there. Just talking to your wife on the way in. I mean, you are jack of all trades here, like you were yeah. in the NHL. Well, yeah, I was just uh, outside looking at a gas line, fire pit. Uh, but I mean, if it comes down to anything between, you know, maybe hopping behind the bar to bussing tables and, and dishes and, and all that, and fixing stuff, that's kind of what I do. I've kind of been a handyman my whole life, and uh, <laughs> I, I know I know enough to be dangerous in, in every scenario. We transition from Gophers men's hockey talk to Gophers football talk. Terrell Smith is pursuing his NFL dream, the former Gophers cornerback. He will be drafted. The question is where? Can he climb as high as day two, or is he more likely a day three pick? Is that fourth round? Is that fifth round? Is that sixth round? Is that seventh round? But nonetheless, Terrell Smith will have a chance to play in the NFL. Here's my recent conversation. It actually took place right before Pro Day. 
We didn't review Pro Day. I did this interview with Terrell on Monday, March 13th. But all the talking points are very applicable. So here's my recent conversation with Terrell Smith. Anytime, I appreciate you doing this. Have things slowed down or has it just been a complete whirlwind? Like I'm thinking like you playing at Yankee Stadium in late December until now. Like I have to imagine it's been nonstop. How nonstop has it been? So after the the bowl game, I had like four like true days off where I really didn't have to do anything. Then I got I flew out to California, started training like right away. And then I just been going since then. Then the all-star game was in between training. So I had to go fly out and do that. Then come back to training and the combine. So yeah, it's been a lot. And then just like working out, doing interviews and things like that. So it's been like nonstop since the bowl game, really. Even with it being nonstop, how much are you enjoying the process? It is fun. It's a fun process. I mean, you only get to do this one time. So I'm just enjoying it while I can right now. What is your selling point to NFL teams? So as you mm-hmm. met with teams, you know, at the bowl game, at you know, <laughs> the postseason bowl game, not the not the pinstripe game, but at the at the bowl game, at you know, the combine. Like what what is mm-hmm. your selling point? Presumably you'll meet with some teams and maybe talk to some position coaches or what have you on Wednesday at Pro Day. What is your selling point to teams? Uh that I'm just like a big physical press man corner. I can run with anybody. I can set the edge against tight ends, fullbacks. Uh, I just wanted to show everybody my physicality up front at the East-West game and show them what I could do in press, man, and off-man coverage. Yeah, I mean, the East-West game, the Shrine game went, I mean, is it safe to say went about as good as possible? Like, I'm looking at some numbers here. I mean, per PFF, and hey, PFF, I trust them, they had you as the highest-graded defensive back at that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'll say it went, it went really good. Uh, I learned a lot from like the Patriots staff and things like that uh, from their D- DB's coach and like special teams and things like that. So it was fun. I, I learned a lot and I was able to show everybody what I could do in person. How big of a year was last year for you, Terrell? Like we saw shades of you early in your Gophers career, but it seems like this past year is when you really took a giant step forward. Yeah, I just feel like this past year, everything just clicked like confidence wise uh just like preparation just like knowing I'm the best on the field and like truly like truly believing that I'm the best I feel like that just played a big part in my game this past year and I was just able to keep it rolling through all the games how good of a tackler are you I mean you had something like 34 solo tackles this past Mm -hmm. year I mean is that one selling point you have to teams that hey you're not afraid to tackle yeah like I'm, I'm physical I'm a physical corner uh I don't I don't think there's that many corners as physical as me willing to be in the box and set the edge. Like I played in the big 10. So like they already know like how big 10 football is. How valuable was your time in a Gophers uniform, the totality, not just the giant step forward you took in 22, but looking Mm -hmm. at your full run as, as a university of Minnesota golden Gopher, how valuable was it? I think it was super valuable just because, like, I was able to learn, like, a lot of, like, lessons from Coach Fleck and just the program and everything. And then, like, I was able to learn how to go through, like, adversity with, like, playing a lot and not playing a lot and then, like, getting hurt and then being able to bounce back from getting hurt and then having, like, the season I just had. So I feel like it taught me a lot about adversity and just, like, fighting through tough situations.
Remind us on, on the physical issue you had, the injury. What was it? And what was that like? Expound on that. What was it like to, to overcome that? So I had tore my groin in practice like the week before Iowa. And then like I had like a sports hernia, a sports hernia thing. And that was tough for me personally because like that was like the first ever like major injury that I had where like I was at like practice and like I couldn't run or like do anything that I wanted to. So like that was tough, but like I just had to lean on my teammates and like the training staff and things like that to like just help me get through that. Was it tougher to overcome physically or mentally? Uh, I would say mentally because uh, like even when you're coming back, like like you got cleared, like you're still thinking about this, like the injury, like you don't want to like push it too hard or you don't want to do anything that's going to like hurt it again. And then you just become like, you like overthink it a lot. So I feel like mentally. All the good receivers you lined up against in practice. I mean, I'm thinking you had a chance to probably line up at different points against Bateman, Johnson, Ottman Bell. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would think that just helps your case for being an NFL cornerback. Yeah, for sure. They all provide like different things. Like Bate was like a really, I don't know. It was like a question on Bates' feet or something like that in the league, I think. And I was like, why are they, like, questioning that? Like, Bates, like, fast. Like, he's real fast. And then, like, uh, Tyler was really good at the line of scrimmage. Chris is a big physical receiver. So they all helped me in all ways. How did the combine go? Take us through your experience at the combine. Uh, so the combine went good. It was, like, a long week. I was out there for five days. But mainly it just consisted of just, like, interviews and then like uh you had like a lot of free time on your own so like you still had to like work out with your trainers and stuff while you was out there and then like um the day of combine uh you had some nerves but then like I realized like I've been training like non-stop for this so like the nerves kind of went away when it was like time to go and I just went out there and did what I did happy with your numbers overall I mean I remember having a conversation it was late in the regular season with your friend, Coney Durr. And, you know, mm -hmm. we were just offering analysis. He was offering analysis. We were going back and forth on, on the season, you know, looking ahead, seeing, hey, could the Gophers win the Big Ten West? What does the future hold? It was, you know, midway mm -hmm. through the season. But, you know, we specifically talked about you, and he's like, wait until we get to the Combine and Pro Day. Like, tea time is going to just kick butt, right? Yeah. So, like, are you happy, like, when, when you know, friends like Coney and others were like, he's going to kick butt? Like, do you think yeah. your performance backed that up? Yeah, I feel like it did. Uh, I'm going to redo my my shuttle and, seven, and three cone at Pro Day. But I feel like everything else I did really good at. So the 40 time was like 4-4-1. So you'll let that stick? You won't run the, the 40 on, on Wednesday at Pro Day? Yeah, I'll let that stick. I feel like it was faster than that, but I'll let it stick. What was it like just sitting down with some of these teams? I mean, I don't know how many, you know, quote unquote, formal interviews you had, but like, was it just crazy? I mean, just being in the presence of a bunch of different people? Yeah, it was just like being around like the, the head coach and like the GM, like real decision makers for that organization. Uh, it's just like a blessing to be in that position and being able to like be in the same room as them and be able to be able to like sell yourself and like tell them why they should draft you because like what you what can you bring to the table? Jerome, when did when did your dream of playing in the NFL 
when did it hit you that, you know what, this dream, it can absolutely become a reality? Um, I'll say like in high school when I got my first, my first scholarship, my first scholarship was to, uh, Tulane and that was like my first offer. Cause I, I, like, I always want to play, but like, I never thought about like college or like nothing like that. But then like when the offer started coming in, I was like, yeah, this is a real possibility. So, I mean, it hit you. So even before you hit campus, Played in the Big Ten, you were like, you know what? I can play in the NFL. Yeah. And now that that dream is on the cusp of becoming reality, just mm-hmm. like, have you thought about that weekend? You know, as it's fast approaching here, a few weeks out, late April, that draft weekend, mm-hmm. what that weekend's going to be like? Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. I feel like it's going by slow since I'm thinking about it so much. Like, it's only like the second week of March, but – it's all a process. Still have time and like interviews and things to do. So I just gotta stay in the moment and enjoy all of it. We also take some visits. So we talk about the whirlwind, right? The Shrine Game, the Combine, Pro Day on Wednesday. Will you also take some visits to see some teams, whether it's late March or into April? Yeah, I will. So I mean, it's just it's nonstop, right? Like it really is. Yeah. Like you literally don't have a chance to catch your breath. Yeah, it's like nonstop to the draft. And then like after the draft, uh, I'm pretty sure you fly out there like a week or like two weeks. It might, it might be like a week you fly out there and then you have like rookie mini camp and things like that. So it just keeps going. Correct. I mean, you really won't probably get a break until right before training camp, right? Like in, you know, early to mid-July, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, whatever team you land with, next thing you know, it's yeah, rookie OTAs, OTAs, mini mm-hmm. camp, all that stuff different orientation type stuff so yeah yeah you can't like it's a break but like you can't really take like a break break because like you don't you don't want to go in training camp like out of shape or anything so like you still got to keep working what about the the recent history of you know the gopher sending you know some dbs i mean you know jordan was with you at at the combine you know i think about you know saint juiced i mean you know seems like there's there's a nice little db factory you know going on over at the u yeah, I feel like it's definitely trending up over the past couple of years. Uh, I feel like Antoine really set the set the pace, and he just everyone's just following like what he was able to do here. And then scouts are starting to see that. Is Antoine somebody you can lean on for advice? Do you still maintain a relationship with him or with Saint Just? Uh, I still talk to Antoine like every now and then, like through social media or like if I see him or whatever. But, like, Ben, I talk to Ben a lot. Like, that's someone that I usually go to for advice on the whole process. So, yeah, I've been leaning on Ben a lot since training started. What has P.J. Fleck meant to you? Uh, Coach Fleck, he was, like, he's just someone that I know that I can always trust, someone that always got my back, someone that's going to try to put me in the right positions on and off the field. So it's just, like, somebody that I know I can trust. Do you have any weaknesses, Terrell? And it's like on the field. Yeah, on the field. Yeah. Uh, I told when teams asked me that I said something that I wanted to work on was my pad level, just because sometimes I feel like I play too high on sometimes like coming out of transitions or like taking on a block. Sometimes I'd be too high, so that's something I've been trying to work on. I mean, those teams really 
they don't mess around, do they? Like they get right to the point, don't they? Like they'll challenge you. They'll yeah. ask you anything, won't they? Yeah, they want to know everything about you. What was the craziest question asked of you? Uh, I feel like I didn't really get any like out of the box like questions for the most part. Everything was just like straight to the point, like about like my life, my childhood, my upbringing, things like that, and then like on the field stuff, but like nothing out of the box. Well, tell us about that. I mean, what is important to know about your background? Um, so really just like how I grew up, like, like I'm from Snowville, Georgia, uh, grew up with my mom, my dad, my older sister, uh, went to South Queen high school and then just things like that. Just wanted to know like how my upbringing was, like how my, how did I get like this as a person? Just things like that. And I mean, feel like, you know, the teams you spoke with, like they absorbed what you were saying, like they seemed fully engaged and enjoyed hearing about your backstory yeah like the biggest thing is like in interviews like you just got to like be yourself and not try to like put on like a fake smile or like tell them some fake story for them to like you more just like you just gotta be honest and just tell them tell it how it is anything disappointing about your gophers career for me personally i'm like t-time like i feel like you guys should have won a big 10 west somewhere along the way whether it was last year, I really thought last year heading into the year, but, you know, even going back a couple of years, I mean, you've done some special things, right? I mean, you know, yeah. double digit wins and, you know, the Outback Bowl and, and all that good stuff. So many things that really haven't been done around here for a really, really long time. But I just felt like, yeah. like you, your group should have found a way to win a Big Ten West. Yeah, we did a lot. And then we left some stuff on the table. Like, uh, some of that still hurts me is I, going 0-5 versus Iowa, like, I really wanted that pick, especially this year, soon my last year. It was just like – then we, like, we didn't get the Big Ten West by, like, one or two games for, like, the past two, three seasons. So that was tough, too. Uh, we accomplished a lot as a group, but we still left, like, the major milestones out. You feel like it's when, not if, though, that with P.J. in charge, heck, maybe as soon as this 23 season – that like that next breakthrough is winning the West. Yeah, definitely. We just gotta like we. I already feel like the gap is closed. Like there's not really that much of a big difference between us and other teams in the Big Ten West. I feel like it just comes down to execution and making the plays when your name is called. How good of a pro will Howden be? I think he will be really good. Like he's a hard worker. He does everything the right way. He's going to get stuff done. Like, he came here as a walk-on and earned his scholarship within the season. So, like, like his the way he works and the way he plays on the field, like, you can't question that. So I feel like he's going to be able to play in this league for a long time. Can we say all the same things about you? I mean, in terms of work ethic and all that, like A-plus? Yeah, I would. What else is important to know, T-Time, is, is we tell your story. What else is good for us to know? Um, I don't know. I feel like we kind of really hit on everything. So are you just here in town now? Are you here in the Twin Cities through Pro Day? You know, set up shop yeah, here, I'll get be, all your work in here, and then, you know, go take some visits? Yeah, I'll be staying out here for the most part. I'm just going to be training out here and stuff. Who are you able to train with? 
Uh, so I'm training with Coach KB. He's like a, a defensive back coach. He really coaches like everybody, but I think he specializes in like uh, DBs. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, after pro day, I mean, you really don't need to work on any of those combine tests, right? I mean, it's all about just sharpening up your your DB skills, right? Yeah, I'll just be doing that and then like just focusing on like conditioning and stuff, going to like rookie mini camp and OTAs and just being in the best shape possible going into that. Does it matter to you what round you get drafted in? Um, I feel like I should be in the, the talks just for like the like day two or something like that, just by like the work that I like the work that I put out there and showed. But like wherever my name gets called, I'm I'm blessed to hear my name be called. I mean, is it more about opportunity? I mean, whether you're a third round pick day two, or let's say you go in the fifth round, day three, is it is it about getting in the right system with the right coaching staff so they can develop you? It definitely is because uh, you definitely need to be in the right situation that's going to be able to bring the best out of you as a player. Like coaches just getting the most out of you. Uh, just like having that leadership around the locker room, it definitely matters about which where you go. But everybody's different. Everyone's development is different. So I feel like it, it actually matters on like where you go in terms of development and things like that. Terrell, anything we didn't hit on that you want to hit on? Uh, I think I'm solid. Good. Well, I'll certainly stay in touch. I'll see you on Wednesday at Pro Day. Wishing you all the best. I know a lot of Gophers fans are are excited to see what the future holds. Okay, appreciate you. We transition from Terrell, the speedy cornerback, to Mariano Sori Marin, really good linebacker for multiple years with the Gophers. He too is pursuing an NFL career. He just headed back his home city of Chicago, but before he left the Twin Cities, he stopped by the Hubbard Broadcasting Studios. Here is my lengthy chat on all sorts of different Gophers football talking points, NFL draft talking points with Mariano Sori Marin. Jordan is a proud alum, one of the greatest players in program history. How excited are you? I mean, Heck, 20 years ago now, you weren't on that last national championship team, right. that team before. But, like, to me, it's crazy that it's been 20 years, but it seems like this team certainly has a chance to win two more games. Well, we look at it last year. Last year, they had a really good chance to win. Um, you know, and it didn't happen. Uh, I was uh, on my on my way to Boston if they were in the championship game this year. Um, I'm, I'm kind of banking on them winning, I'm hoping. <laughs> you know, obviously a proud alum, yes. It's been... Uh, 21 years since uh, we won at the Excel Energy, Energy Center and 20 years since uh, 03. And there's a lot of guys excited, and we're looking for uh, two wins. All we need is two wins, one win at a time, and here we go. Well, piggyback on that, I mean, you've been going back and forth with a bunch of former teammates. What is that excitement level? Oh, yeah. Uh, working with the administration, trying to find tickets for guys. Uh, I guess I'm kind of a linchpin in the whole thing where guys contact me and see if I have a connection. And a lot of times I do, um, which which is great and uh, happy to help. I want to see as much maroon and gold as we can get down there. And, you know, hopefully great things happen. But being in Tampa helps as well. You know, we go to a warm weather climate and uh, able to get maybe a couple round of golf, rounds of golf in and uh, go watch your favorite team play hockey. What's this resurgence been like? I mean, there was a dip. You know, some people, I think, were reluctant to embrace the Big Ten, but 
you look at this year in particular, the crowds at Mariucci, just the TV ratings, everything, like there's a ton of excitement right now. Uh, a lot of excitement. You look at when we played in, in the early 2000s, there's a lot of excitement. And then the Wild came in and, in 2000, took a little bit of that excitement away. Um, so the later... Uh, Early 2000s, uh, I wouldn't say they struggled, but it wasn't as big of a draw as it, as it seems to be this year. You know, you look at it, uh, the Big Ten came into play, uh, took a little bit of that steam out of that too, where the WCHA disappeared, and uh, now people are excited again. The, the team's good. I mean, they, they are really good. They probably have the best defensive core that we, we've had uh, for 21 years, you know, and, and that's uh, t- something to be said. There's uh, a lot of guys that are very successful that I played with, and uh, there's going to be a lot of success coming out of this team as well. But not better than 21 years ago? Uh, the game has changed. I will say the game has changed. Uh, we had some pretty dynamite players, being you know Keith Ballard, myself, uh, uh, Paul Martin, uh, Nick Angel, Judd Stevens. Uh, you know who am I forgetting? It's like I, well, those it's are the just, names that come to mind. Yeah. It just goes on and on. You know, a guy like Nick Angel. Okay, he uh, he played, I believe, the longest out of any of us professionally. He, he played overseas, um, but he, he played in the KHL, he played in Sweden, he played in Finland, he played all over the place. But he had the longest professional career out of all of us. And quite, quite a heck of a hockey player, but just got undermined by, by a few of us on the blue line. Is, like, has Bob done a good job of re-energizing the alumni? I mean, does Bob and others, I mean, like Paul Oxby maybe and others, have just done a really good job just reconnecting the alumni? Well, reconnecting, yes. We had an event here at Mississippi Gardens a few years ago, got a lot of the guys back. Um, but I think a lot of the alumni have season tickets. So we have an alumni room now down at Mariucci. When you go down there, you end up seeing a lot of the guys that have those season tickets. And I'll pop down there a couple times a year uh, when, when my kids' programs allow me to. Uh, but yeah, there's there's definitely interest, and you're seeing some legacy kids, you know, come through the program, being the Pitlicks, uh, the Nevers. Uh, so maybe you'll see some of our kids uh, from those national championship teams come through the program at some point. Uh, you never know. Uh, but you know, just delighted that they're they're filling the building. Number one, and then number two, people are really excited about going over hockey. Snuggaroo too. Like I think about yep, that line. Yep. That's Snuggaroo Cooley Nye's line. Yeah, and I grew up watching uh, <laughs> watching all those guys. You know, I, I watched uh, Dave Snuggerud. Um, you got you know old man Pitlick, uh, you know, and, and Nevers. I, I watched those guys. I grew up emulating, wanted to be them. So it, it's kind of neat. My kids get to watch these guys now, second generation of it. Some are third generation Gophers, um, but you look at the top line with Cooley, Nyes, uh, you know Snuggerud there. It, it there's just some elect- electrifying players, electrifying play, and I think it's uh, it's addicting if you're a hockey fan, especially at the amateur uh, part of it. And then you know you look at the back end; the back end's loaded. You know you got all these guys back there. You know you got a great captain, you got some leadership, you got guys that are great power play, great defensively. Uh, all the tools are there. Goaltending's there as well. It's just a matter of getting the bounces when you need. These are one and done situations, and you never know what's going to happen. On Brock Faber. How yep. good is Brock Faber? Uh, Brock is uh, he's an underrated defenseman. You look at it, you look at his points. His point production isn't uh, off the charts, uh, but defensively and the way he manages the game is at a professional level. So I mean, definitely, and his leadership style is great too. The guys, you know, jump on board. He's he's the guy to lead the charge, and and that's what you need. You need a guy like that to to bring the troops together, bring everybody on on the same page, and hopefully accomplish that that big goal, which is very close to these guys. But they, you know, they just take it one game at a time. It's a cliche. I understand it, but you know, you really do, and that goes for coaching staff as well. You got to stay calm, act like you've been there before, and just take care of business. 
How tough is the journey? What's the journey like? Like as you get to this point, that wait until that Frozen Four semifinal game? Yeah, you get you get the week and a half, uh, two weeks for these guys and, until you play. So a lot of excitement, a lot of distractions. You know, I mean, even with me being an alum, I'm going, okay, how are we getting down there? How are guys getting tickets, uh, hotels, uh, all of that? So all their families are probably going to head down. It's spring break down there, so it's a busy time of year. Uh, the availability is not there. Uh, you know, guys are going to have to learn how to how to deal with that distraction a little bit. But then, when it comes down to it, once the puck drops, it's playing hockey, and that's that's the best part. You have that wonderful, uh, you know, 200 by by 85 rink with glass on it, and your own you're in your own little world, and it's just you versus them, and may the best team win. How often do you spin stories about the O2 championship? I mean, that was kind of that breakthrough, right? There had been a nice lull, right? Now we're in that lull again. Right, but was it '76? Do we have to go yep. all the way back '76 yep. to '02? So, like your team really broke through there. I know the '03 team is the last one to win the championship, mm-hmm. but your team really kind of broke through that door. Well, we we broke through it, but I mean, there it's it's tough to win in college hockey. Like I say, it's one and done. You know, it's not not the best team in in seven games like it is in the NHL. You you have to have a lot of things going your way. You have to have the right guys. Uh, we had the right mentality. We had the right leadership. Uh, you see it in this team. Uh, you saw a little, little of it last year. Um, it, the landscape has changed a little bit with college hockey where the Gophers are still a young team. And then you have other teams that are a lot older and more mature, and those seem to be the teams that are winning. Um, but when it comes down to it, the talent, you can't take talent away from these guys. I mean, they, they have it. They've earned it. They just have to learn how, how to win in big situations, and this is uh, the biggest stage there is at, at this amateur level. Does it seem like we're in a crash course? Gophers, Wolverines for the national championship? Uh, I don't want to say too much, but I have some friends that are Wolverines, and they're already uh, punching that ticket. So, But we can't get ahead of ourselves. That's, that's the beautiful part of it. We just have to take care of business one game at a time. Can't look too far ahead. Uh, we made that mistake in 2 and I, I think these guys maybe did uh, in the Big Ten championship game where... You know, you take it for granted. You think you're going to show up and, and walk over a team, and it doesn't happen. So it's a great lesson to have before you get into the one and dones. Uh, so now we're here, and, you know, hopefully all the best for, for everybody involved. Then another layer to next week is the Hobie Baker announcement, maybe a go for wins. Yep. You were in that boat. Just take us back to that time. Uh, everything was a blur. It really was. Uh, you look back 21 years ago, uh, you know, we ended up playing Michigan in, in the semifinal game, uh, won that day. And then came to the rink the next day, and we had a Hobie Baker announcement. I didn't know I was going to win. Uh, there's only one guy that knew I was going to win. That was our head coach. Um, and, and it was, I mean, a weird, not weird, but just a very humble experience, uh, especially being at home. Uh, lots of distractions at home. Uh, we were staying in a hotel and, uh, you know, great, great things. I, I mean, to this day, I still say, I mean, without the teammates, I, I wouldn't have been able to win that award. That's, uh, they say it's an individual award, but really it's more of a team award. Uh, those guys had my back, and I had their back, and you know, 21 years later, I think they're probably more proud than I am, but you know, as time goes by, uh, it becomes more special. My kids look at it. You look, I mean, the Hobie Baker's here at work, so people, anybody can come in and see it, and um, it's, uh, it, it collects a little bit of dust, but hopefully we get another goal for it. It's, uh, it's about time. As special as your NHL career was, as accomplished as your NHL career was, does it really just all start with 0-2 and how special that year was and then the NHL stuff kind of trickles in after that? Uh, I think you took the words out of my mouth. When you, and people ask me, like, what's your greatest uh, you know, hockey memory? And obviously it goes back to 0-2 at the XL Energy Center, being with all my buddies, um, winning that title. 
uh, having a great weekend, and then just having fun with it for a good couple months. And then before you know it, I turned pro. And it, it changes from amateur to pro. You know, it, when you're traveling around as much as I did, I was kind of a journeyman in the NHL where um, I, was, I was not a master of anything, but I was a jack of all trades in a way. So I had some uh, ability that was needed on teams at deadlines where my team wasn't doing well, so I got traded a lot. Um, but you look at the way the NHL is. It's, uh, they're business acquaintances. You know, where when I was in school, these are my best buddies. And we're still all best buddies today and, uh, you know, see each other every summer, every winter, bump into each other at the hockey rink. But um, it's, it was just the best time of my life other than having my kids. Um, but if I could go back in time, that would be the time to go back to. So what were the text messages like on Saturday? So game over against St. Cloud. Was your phone just blowing up? Yeah, so Saturday I was actually working an event here. Uh, so I watched the first period back in the office, and then the next two periods I, I text all of our O2 um, class and just keep me posted what, what's going on, you know, because I had no, no idea. And then I had people here going, how are you not watching the game? Well, you know, i got to work. So um, I was working, and I, I didn't even watch it later because to me, once I know the final, that, that's all that needs to be said. And, and we're going, and next thing was, all right, boys, where are we going? You know, where are we staying? Where are we going? Where are we golfing? Where are we doing whatever? And and uh, I think anybody that can make it is going to going to make it down there in their in their moon and gold. What else stands out as you watch this year's team? What else stands out to you? Well, I I think you look at they they were dominant. They were dominant this year, <clears throat> and with being dominant, you know, comes this up and downs. But whenever you put on that sweater, being a U of M sweater now uh, in the Big Ten, I think you have the respect of the rest rest of the league. Where People want to play at the U, and when I played in WCHA, we were the most hated team. You know, and, and I think in the Big Ten, the two most hated teams are probably Michigan and, and Minnesota, both U of M's. Um, but that means every night you have to have your A game. And if you don't have your A game, you're going to get beat. So to do what they did this year, um, there's something to be said for that as far as you know, uh, setting records and, and all that. And, and hopefully it'll transpire into two wins. So you need two wins. They, they're getting to the dance and you know, two wins away from doing something absolutely special. And uh, maybe it'll become their best moment of, of their uh, playing careers. Leave it with this. So you said you were busy on Saturday. I suppose that means business is going well. Uh, business is doing okay. COVID, uh, COVID kind of made things interesting. You know, you shut hospitality down for uh, a good six months to a year. It always takes time to recover. So I think we're seeing the, the market and the economy bounce back, but not, not bounce back as fast as, fast as we'd like it. Um, but, of course, we're here. People are looking for business. Uh, Mississippi Gardens Event Center here that we stand on is, uh, is always open. The, the, phone, the phone has been ringing, but just not as much as it was pre-COVID. So we're just trying to get back there. I was talking to your wife on the way in. I mean, you are jack-of-all-trades here like you were yeah. in the NHL. Well, yeah, I was just uh, outside looking at a gas line, fire pit. Uh, but, I mean, if it comes down to anything between, you know, maybe hopping behind the bar to bussing tables and, and dishes and, and all that, and fixing stuff, that's kind of what I do. I've kind of been a handyman my whole life, and uh, <laughs> I, I, know, I know enough to be dangerous in, in every scenario. That was a fun conversation. That was one. I just put the quarter in the machine. Let Mariano go. He has the gift of gab. Whenever Mariano wants to have a career in broadcasting with the Big Ten Network or you name the outlet, he will. Hopefully for his sake, he can have a lengthy pro career, specifically in the NFL. 
But I'm just saying, whenever he wants to transition to broadcasting, if he wants to, but he told me there is genuine interest, he is going to make one heck of an analyst or talk show host. Whatever he wants to do, he can do it. I love talking with Mariano Sori Marin. Corey Smith will eventually play for the Gopher football team. He's a wide receiver, class of 2024, from the city of Indianapolis. He recently committed to the Gophers. Here's my conversation with Gophers football commit, class of 2024, Corey Smith. Corey, congratulations on coming here to the University of Minnesota. Why the Gophers? You clearly had options. What stood out about the University of Minnesota? Uh, well, for one, P.J. Fleck, he's a great head coach. You know, I love what he's doing up there. I love his philosophy. I love how he, how he wanted me. Now he really cares the time that we had when I got up there on a visit. And um, um, the receiver coach, too, Coach Simon, that's my dog. We uh, we chatted up all the time. So he, he seemed like he knew what he's doing. I've talked to him a lot. So it's going to be fun getting up there with him. So you visited here a couple weeks ago. Did you know then, after that visit, that, okay, I definitely want to be a gopher. I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest. I did like, they were, they were up on my list, but like I haven't visited nowhere else really. And so like, I was like kind of skeptical everywhere I go. So I was like making sure like this place I want to be, it's a nice, good environment, good education. So I was just looking at the little things to try to figure out where I feel like I fit at the college. So did you take any other visits then after the Minnesota visit? What, what changed between that visit to Minnesota and your commitment this week? Um, so I did take another visit to Illinois. And so the thing is with like with different um, programs, only taking a couple of receivers at a time. And so when I went to Minnesota, I feel like they had everything I really wanted while I wanted to go to college. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big city type of guy. So I like to be there, there in a populated early area and they 10 minutes from the city right there. And, Big 10, you know what I'm saying, Power 5 offer. And so definitely wanted to get in a big environment because when I play, I like to play with all eyes on me, as much eyes as I can get on me. So what's it been like the last 24 hours or so since you made it official, your commitment? Has your phone just been blowing up? Yes. Yes, phone has been blowing up, man. Um, a bunch of different texts from from everybody, especially a bunch of people in Minnesota. My parents, my family, all my friends have been backing me with the decision, all my coaches and I'm just happy that everybody's on my side with this right now. Are you so, able to let go some stress, though? I mean, so you yeah. said you're in Mexico. Are you on spring break right now? So, yeah. you know, maybe yes, that's I a nice little distraction. Yeah, I just got here. To, I got here yesterday, and it's really nice. So me and my family, we come to Mexico a lot. And so it's it's a nice little getaway from everything else going on at home with recruiting and football and school and stuff like that. But don't get me wrong. It'll work out. I worked out this morning, too, so. Still cute in the shade. Very nice. So is it a sense of relief, though? I mean, I would imagine at times the recruiting process is enjoyable, but I would also imagine at times it's really stressful. So do you feel like like just this big sigh of relief? Yeah, a little bit because, you know, phone was blowing up every day. Can I get a FaceTime call? Stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I love the process. I love talking to different coaches, finding out what's good for them and, like, how we can – how they're going to – try to make me fit in their program and stuff like that. But and sometimes it would just be like, all right, like, can I just like hang out for a second, you know, not have to text everybody and call everybody back. So, but one thing my dad said, my dad did say is nobody, nobody's ever going to want you as much as they want you right now. And so I took it all in and 
I cherish it every moment that I got of it. And because coming from a standpoint, not everybody like has this. And so I got to cherish every moment of that and got to be happy. And then, yeah, just being that moment. How much of this is a dream come true, Corey, that, you know, playing at a power five school in the Big Ten from Big Ten country, that this is a big time dream come true? It's a it's a big dream come true. I so I started off playing soccer. That was my first love. And then in seventh grade, I switched over to football. And so I wasn't even I wasn't thinking about getting offers. I wasn't thinking about going to big schools like that until about like fresh after freshman year. And I was like, hold on. I can really do something because I, I love this sport. And actually, my little brother, he actually made me want to play the sport because I've seen him playing it. So I kind of want to be like him a little bit. So I will say that. And so, wow. yeah, so, so the big your little brother. Too. So you may have gone the soccer out if not for your little brother. So you're in middle school. Yes. And you had never played any football whatsoever. Not at all. I was so soccer. I was really good at soccer, too. Footwork speed. I was a striker. And so I'll always get the ball and just run around people, basically, and always hit the get goals. I was probably scoring like two, three goals a game back in back in the day. Still got it. <laughs> I love it. Take me back to the moment when you told Coach Fleck, hey, I want to be a gopher. So definitely. So I called him. I called him the night before I posted on Twitter. And then I was like, man, let y'all know that I'm going to do it. Like, I'm gonna be a gopher. He was he was excited. He was he was actually out to dinner. He had he was screaming and stuff like that. So he I'm glad that you know what I'm saying he he wants me. He wants me to get there and I want to get there too. So we're on the same page. Take me through a little bit more of your relationship with PJ, how it's evolved, because he very much has a strong relationship with all of his players. Definitely. So my first time talking to him was probably like a couple couple weeks after I got the offer and stuff like that. So we've been texting a lot. And then and then when I finally got up there, we were we were so usually he's talking with the head coach for about like 30, 30, 45 minutes. We were me, my mom and my dad were in his room in his office for two to three hours. So kind of in between that, just talking, having a good time. So and you don't not it's not every day the head coach talks to you in his office for two to three hours. And so like for the schedule for the visit that pushed the visit back a lot but like i'm glad that we built that connection just having a good conversation with him seeing what his kind of philosophy is seeing how he runs things and with that i'm on the same page as him so and he also played receiver and so he knows what he's doing he's been in the league he's coached players to get in the league you know what i'm saying so he i'm glad that Corey davis is one of them he was a he was a guy who came from really nothing, kind of one offer coming out of high school and fifth round, fifth pick in the first round. Absolutely. Yeah, Corey Davis was a beast at Western Michigan. He's still a productive NFL receiver right now. Is that a parallel then that PJ made with you? Or did he bring up Rashad Bateman, Tyler Johnson? Like, did he compare you to any other receivers that he's um, coached the last handful of years? I think he compared me to some over Sean Bateman a little bit because we're both kind of We've kind of got that basketball gene, I would say, a little bit. And so he, he could jump out the room, I was told. So so describe the kind of player you are, Corey. If you had to write a scouting report about yourself, what, what can Gophers fans expect? Um, One, speed. I feel like with my speed, I can play in the outside and the slot. So I can be all around the field. 
And with also, I feel like you don't, you don't, not just going to use me for one different thing. I feel like I can be used in different ways in the offense, whether that's blocking, because blocking as a receiver is very important, I would say. But also making, making big plays or maybe making those short plays and making that to a big play. So maybe catch a hitch route, turn it to a 30 yard gain, 30 yard touchdown, something like that. And then I would also say my route running and my, like my hands and catching the ball is pretty nice. And so I feel like we're going to do something nice, especially with the, cause I know they got a good QB room up there. And then the other quarterback who committed Aaron, I've been talking to him a lot. And so I've seen this film. He can, he can throw that thing. So it's going to be nice. We're going to room together, by the way. Oh, nice. Oh, that's already been settled. He'll be your roommate. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I like it. Do you have a weakness? Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that I do, but there can definitely be, I'm not saying that I'm perfect. There can definitely be many, many improvements when it comes to my game, but that's just, that just takes time and that takes work. And so when I get down here just to watch their spring games and stuff like that, watch, watch them play and then talk to the coach more, we're going to find out those, those small little upsets and weaknesses that we can improve before I finally get there and try to see how fast I can do my field. What do you know about the Gophers offense? How exactly your skill set, you said you can play inside, outside, but how that skill set fits what they're trying to accomplish? So this past year, they ran the ball a lot. And when I really can't even blame them, they had a they had a great running back who did his job every time he got the ball. So, I mean, that's really expected. So when you run the, when you run the ball a lot, that opens up kind of the pass game. And so... They, if they had, if we, because I met some of the running backs too, we're going to have a good running back room. And so they're going to try to pack that box. It's going to open up more things for us receivers on the outside and slide and stuff like that. And so it's just going to be a great offense. QB's going to be able to get the ball out. I feel like play action will work a lot too, especially if that's a your plan. Is your plan, Corey, to come up here like next January? Will you graduate high school early? That is my plan as of right now. So, I mean, the idea is just to hit the ground running, right? I mean, you'll have your senior year in the fall. The next thing you know, I mean, less than a year from now, you'll be here in the Twin Cities full time. Yes, sir. That is that's the goal. So, and especially with that, not just football level. Um, if you graduate early, you can get your master's faster. And so I was talking to my dad about that. And so not just for football, but to set my life up after football. So What's going to happen when I stop playing football? Am I going to have education and be able to make more money on top of that? So what's the plan? What do you want to study? And if you do pursue your master's, what would be the master's route? So master's, well, I haven't fully got that yet, but I am going to be studying business when I get there. So trying to get in all that. So maybe marketing, stuff like that. Try to get some money. Cause I feel yeah, like I mean, I you probably know this as well as I do, if not more. But I mean, the business school here in Minnesota is A+. Yes. Like the Carson yes. School. I've been I mean, it's it. just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to definitely work hard there. I mean, and plus, I'm going to have, I'm going to be taking seven classes in this first semester. And then once I get up there, it's going to, it's going to be a little, it's going to be hard. But I feel like with these seven classes that I'm taking, it's going to feel like a little less on my payload. So. So you are, correct me if I'm wrong, the sixth commit for this recruiting class. So there's still work to be done. I think so. Will you now yeah, be sort of a de facto recruiter? Like, will you reach out on social media? Will you get a sense oh, yeah. of who PJ is targeting and try to, you know, get on those guys' good side and see if they want to join you yeah. here in Minnesota? 
Oh, yeah, definitely. So we're missing. So we still need one receiver commit. So I'm going to be looking out, see which guys I like. And especially because my guy, TJ McWilliams, he's class of 23 commit. He's going to be nice with it. And so hopefully we can get on the same field. And I know he's a great above me right now, but hopefully we'll be playing together. Corey, right, what else is important to know about you as, as we get to know you here in Minnesota, as we tell your story, what else is important for us to know? I feel like I'm just, I'm all, all around, like not to like brag or nothing, but I feel like I'm just an all around great guy. Like I'm not going to be too cocky or nothing like that. I'm really humble, I would say. Like you'll never see me, you'll never see me overly pride, overly talking about myself. I feel like that's one of, one of the worst things you can do, especially as a man. So I feel like I'm really like low down, really humble. Like I really let my game speak and who I am as a man and a character speak. That's fantastic. So who was it hardest to say no to? Was it Illinois? Was it West Virginia? Was it somebody else? I would say Illinois because their receiver coach is really good. I really liked him when I went on the visit. I will say that. And a great program running. And uh, like it's never fun to – you know what I'm saying? Tell the other school, hey, sorry, and stuff like that. But I'm glad that I got to talk to him and see, like, get build those connections, not just with him, but with all these other coaches to open up my eyes and see what else is out there. Corey, anything we didn't hit on that you want to get out there? Um, I don't know, man. Hey, go Gophers is all I got to say, really. Yeah, I mean, and PJ so, would say, you know, Sky Yuma rode the boat, right? Yeah, RTV, man. <laughs> enjoy so, mexico Corey. enjoy it enjoy the rest of the school year enjoy your school year next year and we'll see you up here in less than a year yes sir man okay Corey, thank you for doing this i appreciate it got you eventually with Corey, as soon as this 23 season i am looking forward to the gophers airing it out more let's go back to those bateman days those tyler johnson days with all the receiving weapons they have, you bring in the Western Michigan transfer, you bring in the Charlotte transfer, you've got Jackson, you've got heck, Span Ford, who this time next year we'll be talking about being a pretty high NFL draft pick. You've got Chris Altman-Bell. Ethan at quarterback is going to have a chance to air it out. Now, hey, Sean Tyler, the transfer running back from Western Michigan, will touch the ball plenty, but he too can make a difference in the passing game. I'm looking forward to later this year, the Gopher football team, opening up its offense. Final interview here on Scoop Podcast, episode 410, is my colleague Joe Schmidt with Mike Veck. Mike Veck, his ownership group, they are selling the St. Paul Saints. Here is Joe's conversation with Mike about selling the St. Paul Saints. I, I got to admit, when I when I heard it, it was, uh, it was a little tug at my heart, so I can only imagine it's kind of a bittersweet day for you. It is absolutely. I mean, this is, I violated my dad's cardinal rule, never fall in love. And I fell in love for 31 glorious seasons, 33 wonderful years. My family was raised there. My, my kids were raised there. And uh, um, both were raised in Midway Stadium. The Saints and you, my old friend, were the first interview that Bill and I did on behalf of the saints. So there's so many memories and uh, someone asked me today, what the thing I remember most. And it's very simple. It's the humiliation <laughs> I suffered for the year and a half before we opened. 
<laughs> when I couldn't even get my partners to say we were going to average 25 on. <laughs> so, but, but you, you toughed it through. I mean, uh, it has to say something about persistence because you, you had a dream, you saw it, even though other people didn't. And the other thing is, you know, Joe, fear. I, I couldn't fail. I didn't have wiggle room. I mean, I put everything on the line for this. I believed so passionately that there was a place for independent baseball, a place for us to test bigger bases, the pitch clock. Going back 30 years ago, those are the contributions that I think the Northern League and, of course, the Saints um, made. And I was frightened. But once I saw a 1,000 people lined up on the morning in 40-degree weather that we put tickets on sale, I said, there's something happening. And on opening night, when you met my mother, she said, I don't know, Joe, but there's something happening here. Bill would have loved this. <laughs> yeah so uh why now why the decision you and marv have been partners for a while why now um the timing was perfect because we have a partner in peter freund who understood and was our partner for four or five years and saw how we operated i've known peter for 15 years and quite frankly i'm a different man after my daughter died than i was before and nobody knows that better than you. So there's a personal angle to this. Plus, I fully believe that you need to know when to go. You need to know when to go. All I can do now is louse it up. So there's there's something to be said for stepping aside when the time is right. And this was perfect. The right people came along. It was the right time in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I it's very bittersweet. It's yeah, very I, bittersweet. Yeah, I, I can imagine. So. Um... When you look back, you talked about the fear. What what do you what do you look back and say is the best bit, the best Vecchian bit you pulled off? The people, the front office. I think we have five broadcasters in the big leagues today. Um, I, you know, I, I, that's what comes back to me is the people in the stands and the people in the front office. We're leaving Derek. 30 years, he's never worked with anyone but me, Derek Scherer. That club is in fine hands. Sierra Bailey, the best promo guy in the country. Tom Whaley, 30 years. That's what I think really works. Um, I, I, I don't know, the instant the instant replay with Mimes, that was pretty good. You know, a 20-minute food fight, biggest concession numbers we ever did at Midway. <laughs> <laughs> People were buying stuff to throw at the mines. You know, and and speaking of dreams, uh, you, you you thought there could be a field in St. Paul, in downtown, in Lower Town, and it's it's changed that city. Yeah, there's a th- this has been a a marriage of equals, and that's so rarely the case. But we were able to make a contribution back to a town that had obviously made a tremendous contribution to us. It's a meeting place. It's a place for community. It doesn't mean that I'm not proud. Look at it now. Fans are watching triple A baseball and they can see their heroes as they form. And then as they make it, I mean, that's a remarkable feat, 10 miles of the green line and and you can see two games, but, the real truth is, is that this area 
was so ripe for baseball. People go, what made you know? Billy Peterson and three Hall of Famers within a 12 or 14 block radius. Tell me about that. St. Paul, St. Paul was ready to go. Uh, what will you miss the most? The fans, the people who made this happen. That's what I'll miss. The people who raised Rebecca in the stands. You know, we couldn't afford childcare like a lot of our customers. And people who passed Rebecca around and taught her to be socialized and bright and articulate. Um, the artists who contributed, um, you know, it's it's fully, it's a Bill Murray vignette, if ever there was one. Um, yeah, baseball, are you done? I mean, are you all out of it now, all your ownership? So you're... I have. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm. I'm reacquiring a piece of uh, Charleston. Okay. Um, because I live here part, you know, part time. Um, but no, it's not. I'm not done. It's just. Um, I'm going to be really particular because nothing's going to ever come close to St. Paul. And yes, there I said it out loud. <laughs> yeah. That 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 it's was never just... going to happen. What was it? Was it uh, timing? Was it uh, luck? Um, was it a combination of everything? It was a combination of everything. It was, you know, silent impacts. That's what it was. It was the fact that the timing was right. It was very lucky. I was lucky that McPhail was running the Twins. I was lucky that the Twins had kind of gone into this um, indoor setting. <laughs> Think about opening it now with Target Field in full flower. So absolutely, it's a fool who says it wasn't luck and it wasn't timing. But sustaining it was where the true passion comes. I love the fans. I love the game. I understand that they are integral parts of this thing we call life. and. They responded by making the <laughs> village jester write about something. <laughs> so uh, your dad pulled off a lot of stunts. Uh, what, what do you think he'd tell you on this day? I never thought, McGill, that you had a sense of timing. You were a pretty good drummer, not a great drummer, but in this one, the timing was impeccable. Much like Sorry Marin, Mike Vec has the gift of gab. I have a feeling if Joe wanted to, that conversation could have gone on for 30 or 40 more minutes. But hey, eight minutes was perfect for what we needed for TV's sake. But hey, a long, long run is coming to an end. You think about Mike Vec, all he accomplished with the Saints in the 90s, playing at Rundown Midway Stadium. Heck, I used to broadcast Saints games. I was part of the broadcasting team in 2009 and 2010. Two of the best summers of my life. I had such a blast at Rundown Midway Stadium. But now with the transition to CHS Field, the transition to organized ball, being the Twins AAA affiliate, so much has happened with the St. Saint Paul Saints from the day Mike Veck had this idea to now. So we wish Mike, his ownership group, all the best in their transition. All right, we are done here on Scoop Podcast, episode 410. Always appreciate you listening. Stay safe, stay 
sane.